Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I am the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper. And with me, as always, is the beat writer of the Heart of Giant Nation, Big Trust, woo-woo, Chris Bizignano. So this episode, pal, uh, it's it, it, it's funny. I always think, like, the there's nothing to talk about right now. And, um, you know, Al, Aldrich Rosas comes along and gives us something. Uh, but we also have a, an incredible interview with the great Otis Anderson that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll play for you. Uh, he gave us over an hour of his time, and right. it was really something. I mean, he 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 went into a lot. I was I was shocked that we got an hour of his time in. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. It really was. He got you know he revealed some personal stuff in his career in St. Louis, even with the Giants, right? Yeah, the Dan yeah. Reeves. Yeah. Um, hey, it wasn't like we asked him. Hey, Otis, do us a favor. Just keep talking. He <laughs> he just. Like to talk about, you know, what happened in his career and Hall of Fame and all that. Um, some of the big moments, you know, with the Giants. I think uh, I think everybody's going to really like this interview, Jerry. Yeah, and the, the funny part was I had no interest in the Cardinals. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really care about your Cardinal career. And he's like, well, let's talk about it. I'm like, you, the floor is yours, Otis. And he went into it, and it's really something, man. Yeah, it really was because uh, he really was a, a dominant back for the Cardinals, you know. Yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden, Jerry, it just went sour. You know, it just went down, and he explained why, right? Right. right. And then he gets into it, and next thing you know, he's a giant, which he didn't believe would it happen. But I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. You know, um, but it was it was some pretty good stuff, man. It really was. Uh, it's a real good dude. Um, glad we interviewed him. He yeah. seemed like he enjoyed himself, and I think Giants fans are going to really uh, appreciate him a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, and, and you'll get that in roughly, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes or so. Uh, but like I said before, man, this is the oh, uh, weird time of year for a lot of reasons, aside from uh, pandemics and everything else. But, you know, there's not really much going on. And uh, all of a sudden, Aldrich Rosas makes the news. Yeah, Jerry, um, not good. No. Uh, you know, we all know the uh, alleged facts, which is basically facts i mean it's you know deandre baker's alleged i think we i think it's safe to say rosas is pretty much a fact right uh yeah, he's driving right. in a car right police say he was driving over 100 miles an hour swerving around cars blowing red lights mm. smashes t-bones a truck luckily he didn't kill a family right okay right leaves the scene the cops get him down a road or something he's in a he's a bloody mess drunk drunk as a skunk um, so not a good look. Um, I gotta be honest with you, Jerry. He's on a one year, three year, three million, three million restricted deal. I don't expect to see him as a giant. Um, I, I think he will not be a giant in September. Uh, obviously they're going to bring in some more people when camp starts. He's coming off a mediocre year, Jerry. Um, this is not a good look at all. Um, I don't, I, I just get the feeling they're going to move on from him. How about you? Yeah, it wasn't like um, it wasn't like his his roster spot was solidified. He had such a an off mm. year after having such a good year, and, and and for one year, right, like two thousand what two thousand two thousand eighteen, it was great that we had a kicker who was practically automatic. And then last year, I don't know what the hell happened, and it was every kick was almost an adventure, and now this happens, and you know, like you said, thank God he didn't kill anybody else, and. Yeah, people yeah. blaming you know easy the easy thing is up Gettleman culture like guys knock that off I mean you know it is what <laughs> it is these guys they 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 do this now and then they they I, I can't explain why this happens but it does it's unfortunate.
But yeah, I don't think he's gonna. I, I they're gonna go. I think they're gonna move on to another kicker. I would think. I, I, listen, Jerry, I, I fully agree with you. I don't think Rosas is sticking around. Um, you know, you. Let's face it, Jerry. Uh, he had one mediocre year, year one Pro Bowl year, one mediocre year. Okay, maybe Pro Bowl, but you know what? I don't right. think he's gonna get a chance to prove it. This is pretty serious stuff. I believe it's his second DWI too, Jerry. Um, Jeez. And uh, not, you know, I think before his NFL career he had one, but so it doesn't look good. Uh, not a good look. Uh, Gettleman stuff, like you said, it's ridiculous culture. Uh, you know, I know Rosas in the locker room. He's the farthest thing from a problem in a locker room. That's what's that's what's so weird about that, right? Yeah, it's just one of those things where you know he he might have a, you know he he likes to drink whatever he he made a big mistake and luckily he didn't kill him another family and or himself right you know um, he'll have to face what he did in the courtroom and I think uh, the judge no pun intended might be coming down on him <laughs> yeah, before right. September <laughs> right an actual judge right. Um, so you had the, the Baker incident and it's funny. It seems like Deandre Baker's chances of being on the team are, are much greater than Aldrick Rosas. No. Yeah. 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 Listen, you know, witnesses are changing their testimony and all that. And, uh, nothing has changed as far as I know some people ask us on Twitter, Hey, it ain't going on with his case. And no, nothing's changed. You know, it's all, you know, I'm sure he's got a hearing day coming up or whatever might be the next step in that legal process. Um, but if you ask me right now, Jerry, gun to my head, hey, is DeAndre a giant in September? I'm going to go with yes. Now yeah. we'll see what the NFL does. Right. You know, but that doesn't – listen, it's not automatic. The NFL is going to suspend them either. There's been a few guys that have been cleared and the NFL dropped it, right? As a matter of fact, Jerry. Right. Uh, Xavier How uh, Howard for the Dolphins. Yeah, right. He had a domestic thing going on, allegedly, and it looked, didn't look good for him teaming up with Byron Jones the first three, four games, and he just was cleared by the NFL. Right. So he's good to go for the Dolphins. So we can't assume that the NFL is going to suspend DeAndre. We don't know what's going to happen in the court. You know, the NFL is going to wait for the court hearings. Um, and we'll see. He, but uh, the way it's going, Jerry, i got to be honest with you, I, I think DeAndre is going to be a giant in September. So do I. Um, and a couple, what was it, maybe a month ago, uh, it, it seemed very um, tenuous at best, especially considering what we th- what we first heard it happened yeah. and that one uh, like you said witnesses are changing and it is what it is talented kid let's let's get him back hopefully he's he's clear and if he, he can... did nothing wrong right exactly and and he can get on with his uh career but the rosas one came out of nowhere and it's like man it's another thing we don't need right now right like well, what our kicker really okay i guess it is what it is the off season's too long yeah well Jerry, listen, this happens with organizations, yeah. not just the Giants. We know that. But what do you do? You move on. Right. Right? You move on. Okay, what are we doing? What's the next thing? Listen, Joe Judge is from the Bill Belichick tree, my man. Yeah. You know what that means, right? Okay, <laughs> move on. Let's go on to the next thing. Yeah. Who's up? Who's next? Yeah, Who steps right. up? Right? Yep. Yeah. They're not going to dwell on Algic Rosas' accident, uh, you know, his arrest and all that. You know? Yeah. So you don't want to take your job serious you don't want to take your responsibilities to this team um seriously right. you know and you want to go out and do some stupid stuff and run away from the scene and you're barefooted and you and you have blood all over you and all that crap yeah so they'll move on man and like new england's had plenty plenty of things up there excuse me plenty of things that happened up in foxwell including a guy who was murdering people yeah okay right 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 and they moved on they go on to the next thing and that's what Joe Judge is going to do. 
Um, you, you, we retweeted something earlier, and it was an Adam Schefter quote, and I just want to read it because this is kind of better news for everything going on right now. And Adam Schefter's quote, um, you know, he said, it's, I'm sorry, um, someone connected to the NFL text that Adam Schefter. I, I apologize. And he said, the NFL is going to play, Adam. I'm very certain of it. Have faith in the league. The process and testing and protocols are exceptional. You should see and hear how much is being done. Daily saliva tests and PCR tests every three days. Sanitizing everything, including the footballs. You can't believe all that is being done and prepared. And look, baseball just came to an agreement for 60 games. It seems like the tide's turning a bit um, in pro sports. Would you agree? Uh, or no, am yeah. I making too much of it? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it seems. But, Jerry, we it's still the unknown. Yeah. What's going to happen if, uh, say, for, let's, let's talk about baseball for a second, since it looks like they're going to go at the end of July, right? Right, right, right. What happens if uh, Garrett... Cole, uh, I'm not being a wise guy because he's a Yankee. But what happens? If, what happens if Garrett Cole gets COVID? Right. Am I being too insensitive by saying that? No, because it could happen. Either this no. is a thing or it's not. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> what happens if Garrett Cole? I mean, now what do you do with the rest of the team? Uh, they move on, right? Is that what they're saying? Okay, we're going to keep playing. Okay. So that the next day, God forbid, um, who's the second baseman? Gleber Torres now gets it. Now, do they shut down Jerry? I, I, I don't know. There's so much. Look, they're trying to turn. They're trying to turn this right, Jerry, and rightfully so. But right. I just don't know what's going to happen. Look, the NFL is really preparing. They've had months to prepare. Yeah. And they're going all out, and they're really preparing for everything, right? Yeah. But Jerry, you could prepare all you want. Yeah. If Daniel Jones walks in in September and he's positive, and two days later Saquon, you know, all oh, God forbid, Saquon is positive, positive, what happens then, Jerry? Right. We don't know. It's still yeah. so much of the unknown. Yeah. And Dr. Fauci came out, what, yesterday? Oh, yeah, no, it looks good for the NFL now. I mean, three days, 13 minutes ago, it was, oh, it don't look good for the NFL. I mean, uh, and, that, and, and, you know, and that was the point of your tweet. We, we do not right. get political, guys. It's the point of that tweet was everyone's changing their mind constantly. I understand science and all this develops, the virus, they're still learning about it. But, but, he, you know, it, you People are changing their mind day to day now, it seems. And that was the point of that tweet, by the way. So Yeah, I mean, you saw it right now, exactly what I tweeted. Right? Like Fauci last week said, oh, I don't know, they're going to have to play in a bubble. And he comes out today and goes, well, it looks pretty good for the NFL. If they do this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right, right. So we just don't know. get back to us Labor Day and let us know what's going on, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, next week it'll be, oh, go put them back in that bubble. I, I, I don't, nobody knows, right? Right. Listen, Jerry, yeah. until the numbers go down to zero, yeah. which it looks like is, is not happening, right? Right. right. A, a lot of people were hoping that the summer months would burn this virus off. Doesn't seem like that's the case. No. Right? Or, you know, and to a vaccine or, a, you know, they come out with some kind of treatment for this virus. When you get it, you get treated and you'll be all right. Dude, there's, a, there's just so much unknown. Uh, yeah. Listen, guys have tested positive already. We're not in camp. Ezekiel Elliott had it. Some other guys had it, right? Yeah. We're not even in camp yet. Yep. So, all right. Well, buddy. Um, season ticket, Jerry, just one quick thing. Yeah. Season ticket holders, right? The Giants said you could skip a year. Yeah, good you point. You won't lose your PSLs and all that. Good point. Yeah. So, yes. um, uh, so just to remind them on that. Forgot about that. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that's up to you what you want to do uh, to, for the season ticket holders. That's going to be interesting. I put that out. You know, Jerry, I was curious, you know. And I put that on Twitter about, hey, you know, I'm just curious. Like, 
what are you people thinking? You know? Yeah. And a lot of people were like, no, nah, I'm skipping. You know, a lot yeah. of people were skipping. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, 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 it's, most, most people were skipping. Okay. Some said they'll, they'll just get them and, and see. Um, yeah, personally, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I skipped. Um, last year, we were fortunate enough to be able to give some away. I Part of the reason was I was not going to be in a position where I got them and then gave them away. Then someone got sick. And who the hell knows what could happen after that? I, you know, I just... This year's weird. So thank, I'm very thankful to the Mara family, the ownership of the Giants, to allow us to skip and still hold our PSLs. And, uh, but that's where, that was my standpoint. That's where I was coming from on that. So. And, Jerry, just finally on, on some of the news to cover, you know, um, yeah. before we get into the, the Twitter questions, I thought Joe Judge showed his maturity. Yeah. He talked about racial relations. Yep. He talked about what's going on with mm-hmm. the Giants, Giants and – he came right out and said it, Jerry. He said, hey, I'm, I'm a 38, 38-year-old white guy. Yeah. I'm sitting here, and I'm going to sit and be quiet, and I'm going to listen to my players, and I'm going to listen to this guy and that guy because I'm not basically educated to talk about what some African-American player went through when he was a kid. Right. So I'm listening. I thought it was a very mature move by Joe Judge, Jerry. For You know, he's not you – know, listen, let's not forget, Judge is not a 60-year-old guy. He's a, Well, I'm 53. He's like a kid in my eye. He's young. He's a young yeah, dude. He's yeah. 38. He's seven years younger than me, which is still weird to have a, a, a coach right. seven years. I'm not. I'm at that age now where coaches is now, are now younger than me. Right. Um, but yeah, no, you're right, man. He wow. showed a lot of maturity with it. And um, to, to sit down and, and listen like that, uh, show, wise beyond his years and shows that this was a very smart, calculated hire by ownership and Dave Gettleman. So. And Jerry, I have to be honest with you. I don't think he's doing it just like he doesn't feel like that. That he's just doing, oh, let me say the right thing so the giant plays, so these guys really like me, you know. Right. Uh, you know, the locker room obviously is what, 80, 70% African-American or all that. So I don't think he's saying it just like, well, let me get, you know, I want the whole locker room to really like me, so I'm going to come out with this phony statement. No, right, I, right. I, I think the guy's 100% real. What are you saying? Yeah. No, well, you know? said. well said, man. And I, I, I know the giant plays. They like that. I mean, why shouldn't they, you know? Yep. Uh, and he's right. And he's right. Joe Judge is 100% right. A white, a white kid from suburb Philadelphia, is, he can't jump into a conversation with a, you know, a guy who, a, a, a kid from the inner city who's had some bad experiences with police. I mean, he can't do it. Yep. Yeah, so he said, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to, going to listen. And I'm going to educate myself. I don't know, Jerry. I thought that was a, a very intelligent, mature statement from Joe Judge. And I don't know. One more can I say, dude? That's that's my that's my feeling on it, Jerry. I don't know how you feel on it. That's the way I feel. No, on it. I agree, and I, I can't possibly say it any better. So I I won't. Um, good job by you, buddy. You are listening Uh-oh. to the Giant Insider podcast with Chris Bizignano and Jerry Foley. We're available on a ton of platforms like Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and a host of other platforms. All right, guys. We hope you enjoy this. Again, this was an honor for us. Here is the interview that Chris and I had with Otis Anderson, the Super Bowl MVP for Super Bowl 25. All right, Giant fans, we have a real treat for you. I'd like to introduce you to the only Giants Super Bowl MVP who did not play the quarterback position, Mark Kelso's worst nightmare, Otis O.J. Anderson. What's up, Otis? And thank you for joining us, bud. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. I think the whole team was Kelso worst worst nightmare <laughs> good stuff man that's awesome Otis, how you doing man staying safe family everything good yes man. 
Yes, I finally got a chance to get out and start hitting a little white ball a little bit. So uh, it's been fun uh, getting back on the courses and uh, playing golf again. And, you know, we're in, we are in phase two of uh, reopening. So a lot of things are starting to happen and buzz around. But yet still, you got to remember that COVID-19 is still out there and it's not over and you need to wear your uh your mask when you when you're out and about and then social distancing and some you gotta continue to practice. There you go. So you're you're obviously in Jersey then. Yes, sir. There I'm you go. Like yep. us, like us. Like us. Good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Um I mean there's so much to talk about with your career. I listen, I don't I don't want to disrespect your time with the Cardinals, but it's a Giants podcast, so we'd like to get into uh, you know, your years with the with the New York <laughs> football Giants and how you came aboard and look, um, we, we, we can go into the Cardinals too, but, uh, you know, the, you, you were, you were, look, Chris and I are fans. So you were a childhood hero of ours. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I'm Jerry. Well, you know, I did, do, I did, I did do seven years with the Cardinals and seven with the Giants. So I'm like a good drink. Seven and seven. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> hey, Jerry. Yes. Otis. Um, I do have to get into the Cardinals a bit cause I have a little bit of a funny story, Jerry. Go ahead. But big man Otis here. Um, I think it was 1980. Otis, I'm a little older than Jerry. Um, used to go to the Giant season ticket holder in the 70s and all that. And here comes the Cardinals in Giant Stadium. And I was with a bunch of friends and my dad. And here comes big Otis walking off the field with Roy Green, <laughs> yeah. Jim Hart. Right, Otis? And it was like yeah, a yeah. section. Giving it to I'm Jerry. I'm talking about giving it to Otis Anderson. You're not going anywhere today. Hey, hey, Roy Green. They call you Jeff Green for what? You stink. And Jerry, the whole time, Otis looked up and he went like this. See on. I seen about a half hour because they were coming off for the pregame warmups. The nicest guy. I mean, taking abuse, Jerry, to no end. And Otis Anderson, even back his first or second year, I think it was the second year, showed the class. <laughs> But Otis, listen, I'm going to get into quickly before Jerry will start up with the Giants stuff. But you know what? You come into the league at the University of Miami, 1979, and you go for over 1,600 yards. I got to ask you, Otis, did you think it was going to be that easy your rookie year? I mean, you, you step into the NFL, and here you are. You win rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and all that. And did you say to yourself, hey, did you? I know you obviously had high expectations, but Otis, did you think it would be that, I hate to say easy, but did you think it would be that successful your rookie year? Well, I actually didn't think I was capable or even big enough to play in the NFL. That year you're talking about was uh, the Super Bowl was in Miami, and it was the the uh, Cowboys versus Steelers. Yeah. And me being a senior and being uh, uh, already done graduated pretty much, I was able to be like a runner, pick up the family from the airport and bring them to the hotel. So my first assignment, which was that Friday, I picked up the uh, Cowboy family members. And Gil Brandt was one guy I picked up, and Gil Brandt was telling me about he knew about me and saw me, you know, highlights of me and said I got a chance to be a good pro. And, you know, and, and, and it's just a good conversation. So I dropped him off at the hotel and in walked Tutal Jones, Harvey Martin, huh. um, um, freaking uh, who was about there? Uh, Randy White. Uh, yeah, Randy. Randy White was there. 
uh, Halloween. Um, it, it, it was just so overwhelming to me to see how huge your guys were. Yeah. And I literally left out that day, went home, called my mom in West Palm Beach and said, Mom, I know there, there are dreams of me being a professional football player that I've had for myself since my brother was trying to uh, fulfill those dreams. And I'm just saying right now, I don't think I can play professional football looking at these guys. And she said, don't worry. That's the Army, Navy, Air Force, or the Marines is set for you. So you can definitely go do something. So I said, okay, well, maybe not. Maybe I won't be a football player. So the next day, I picked up the Steelers. Uh, family members brought to the hotel. I ran into Dwight White, Elsie Greenwood, Joe Green, Jack and Jack and Jack Lambert, Jack Ham. I saw Mel Blunt. I I saw uh, Donnie Shell, and I truly realized that football definitely was not going to be my mission. So I go <laughs> back home and read it to my mom. This, mom, you know what? You're right. I, I probably need to start looking to the armed services because that's probably where I'm going to go because there's no way in the world. I, I just seen in my life. And I'm looking at my little body. I was 215. I was six two and a half, and and I just looked so little. No muscle development on the arms. The legs looked like a little tweak. So I'm just like, it's just freaking out. There's no way. And uh, what? Behold, my first game of the season, I'm playing against the Cowboys and uh, beat them up for 193. And, I, I listen, I ran scared the whole day. That's all I know is I, I fear for my life. And I remember Randall White tackled me, and he used my helmet and the use to push himself off the ground in order to uh, get back to his huddle. And then he said it. He said uh he said, uh, it's going to be all dead. I'm going to kill you out here, boy. <laughs> and I went back to the huddle, and I went to deal off and, and banks. And I said, can they actually kill you? No, we got you. You be protected. So I'm like, okay. So that helped me run for 193. Ooh. Which Otis, Otis, which I believe was a yard yeah. short of the record, all-time record for a rookie debut. Well, they, they, they could have found another yard. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should have. Somebody I mean, should have squeezed the yard out for you. Listen, the Cardinals, they, I, I love them for giving me my birth, but, I mean, I left them with 799. You mean to tell me you couldn't find one yard to make it 8,000 when I left the Cardinals at 7799, and there I go with 193. They couldn't find another yard. I, I guarantee you I had 194 uh, uh, more, but, you know, uh, it, 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 was, it was definitely an eye-awakening because I played – the um, Cowboys first, and then I think we had somebody else, and then we played the Steelers, mm-hmm. followed by the Giants. So I had, uh, by the time I got to the Giants, I was uh, during your 300 yards and already rushed and, um, or close to 400 yards. So, it, you know, it was exciting. It was exciting, um, absolutely. Well, you know, oh, Jerry, just one second. I just got to finish up on this. Otis. <laughs> The most impressive thing, I remember you coming into the league and all that. The most impressive thing to me was, well, actually to the, your feet, how light your feet were, how quick your feet were. Uh, and mm. a lot of people don't talk about this, Otis, because, you know, you had over 10,000 yards and all that, but you were a real good receiver out of the backfield. 
I mean, you had over 300 receptions. One year you had 70-plus, I think, and all that. And Otis, is that yeah. something you worked on in college at the U, or is that something in high school? Did you always have good hands? Could you get into that a little bit? No, I always. I mean, you know, you played a little Stanley Sandlot football, little league football, and they threw you the ball, you caught the ball. And, <laughs> you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up playing, you know, Sandlot football first, and we, we had to catch the ball. So to do it in, in high school and, and junior high and college, it was easy. It was just run and catch the ball, just eye-hand coordination. And I did it my first year. I, I think I caught quite a few, but I know one year I caught 70 passes. And, and um, um, it, it, you know, again, it's just route running, but I, I, I knew I could do it. And I knew once I got the ball, I was very dangerous if I got the ball in open field from a pass or run. And, and I remember Coach Emmett Thomas, who caught me probably the second or third part of my career, uh, season, uh, and he said to me when he saw me, he was like, "Man, I need to find that O.J. Anderson guy. I, he got the quickest feet I've ever seen, you know, in my life. Yep. You know, one of the quickest, quickest feet I've seen in my life." And I remember, and I, he was like, "Well, you know where he where he is?" And I said, "Coach Thomas." I said, "You talking to him?" He said, "Wait a minute, you six two and a half? You can't be you." I said, "Coach, it's me." And we went and looked at film. He said, "Oh my God, it is you." He said, "Man, I'm telling you, you are unfreaking believable." with your feet and the way you're able to, uh, you know, get around. So yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I would say quick feet. Unbelievable yeah. feet. Otis. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, your, your numbers are insane, especially with the Cardinals, right? So, I mean, you know, 79, you had 1900 total yards, 80 looks like you had 16 something and, and 81. And up until, you know, then the strike season was, a, was a wash in 82, but even 84, you had, Eighty-four, you had almost eighteen hundred combined yards, right? And that's that's the season that Chris is referencing with all the receptions. Eighty-five was that an injury season, or, or what? What what happened that I got, season? I got hurt. Yeah, I got hurt and missed nine games. I had a hairline fracture. Okay. Uh, on the outside of my knee, and I kept telling the trainer that something was wrong, and they didn't believe me. And then I just finally realized that for my own future, I just said I can't play. Yeah. So I missed nine games in eighty-five. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm still trying to figure out how we got you in 86, right? Like, I remember being a kid, well, I'm, and I'm 11 years old, well, and I'm like, Otis Anderson's awesome. How are the Giants getting this guy? So, Well, well, in, 80, in 86, beginning of 86, yeah. we had a transition of coaching that came in. Right. The whole 85 coaching staff was fired. Yeah. Uh, Jim Hannafin and the whole crew yeah. got fired. Yeah. And Gene Stallings were the head coach coming from – Dallas tree and, and was part of, uh, uh, some more things. And, and, uh, he got there and he felt that, um, Stump Mitchell was a better player than I, because Stump was like going into his fourth or fifth year. And I was going into my seventh year and, and Stump was running kickoff and punt return. And he just felt that, uh, that Stump was better. And I mean, listen, Stump and I were real good friends and, mm-hmm. We knew we knew that that wasn't true, but you know, coach had his picks. He felt that he needed to reorganize the team. He needed to get the, the grip on the team. And I was one of the leaders. Leonard Smith was one of the leaders. Curtis Grill was one of the leaders. Lionel Washington was one of the leaders. And if you look at from '86 to '88, he got rid of all of those. All of those guys that he felt had influence 
on the team, and he needed to to make a statement. And his statement was to trade me. And when you trade your so-called franchise player, you open up everybody's eyes and let everybody know they are expendable. Yeah. So right. getting rid of me, he felt he got control of the team. And 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 so so that that was that was the reason why. So in going into eighty six season, during training camp, I pull a hamstring. Mm-hmm. Never had that before happen in my life. It right. was just going through new drills and new stuff and and you know, and, and Coach Stall and I we didn't see eye to eye anyway, because I heard during training camp he was trying to trade me and the Steelers were looking to get me, but I hurt my hamstring, which the Steelers backed off just before preseason. I go sit down and talk to the man and ask the man, listen, are you trying to trade me or what? He said, no, I love you. You're one of my better players. I mean, why would I trade you and stump Mitchell's best two combinations since Dorsett and, and Ron Springs? And he just went on and on. So I'm like, okay. So I, I'm thinking everything is forgotten and forgiven, you know. And and then uh, we start the season off. We're playing the, um, the Rams. And I'm having a subpar game. We're not doing as well as we should be doing. And in the middle of the second quarter, uh, he decided to pull me out of the game. So I'm kind of baffled a little bit. Like, why are you putting me out? I mean, I'm doing the best I can do based on what my offensive line were doing and, you know, the game. So he said, well, we needed a spurt, so we thought we'll put stuff in. Well, again, this is the move that was already start transitioning when he tried to trade me and tried to get rid of me doing training camp. So, so, uh, so quite naturally, when I come out, I tell my position coach, uh, Hank Kuhlman, I said, Coach, I said, listen, you bring me out. You know I got a hamstring. I'm trying to keep warm. So you sit me out. You bring me in. What do you think going to happen? Eventually, I'm going to be injured. Right. So either I'm in or I'm out. Whatever one you want to do, you know, just let me know. So he said, well, I, the coach just won't, you, you know, won't stop to finish off the second quarter. Go to halftime. We'll figure it out. We'll go in halftime. I go back to this. I'm going like what? Coach Stallman says, start OJ, second quarter. I mean, second half. So um, I'm loosening up and everything, and and uh, I go in, I play a few plays into, into the quarter, and then he pulls me out again. And and uh, hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're listening. Oh, okay. okay. And then he pulls me out again. And now I'm really upset because now I just started the third quarter. I'm warm, and then he pulls me out. And I sit out for about two or three series, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm like, I, I can tell if I go back out there, I'm going to hurt myself, and then right. what? So All right. clear enough, he comes back, and he tells my position coach, put him back out there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going back out there. I refuse to go back out there. And right. then uh, my position coach said, you know, my job is in jeopardy. Roy Green came over and said, Juice, you've been a great guy. You don't want to see anybody lose their job. Would you go back out there for the coach and for for me and the rest of us offensive guys? We, we, we know what's going on. So I go out there and I run the ball down to about the 20-yard line. And then I run it again to about the two-yard line. And uh, I went to dive over the end zone. And I, and, uh, I landed right at the goal line. Right. Before the goal line, re-injured my hamstring and come off the field and Stump Mitchell, it was the second down. He tried he tried three times to get over the top and, and didn't and we lose to the Rams by four points. Right. And uh I pulled the hamstring and now I'm I'm pissed off. I go back to the locker room and 
afterwards I tell her I want to be traded. Just just get me out of here because I can't deal with this. And right. and uh, you know, um, I think a week went by. We played the Bears. I'm sorry. We we played Buffalo Bills and up and um, I remember um, going up there. I got really started. I think I came in late in the game, and it was starting to get the late was starting to get better. And then uh, we had the Redskins come in, and I played the Redskins, and I go over 100 yards. So now I'm I guess I'm trading material. And then we play the Cowboys. I'm sorry, we play the Giants next. And right at the end of the game, Jim Burke come over and asked me how I like to be a Giant. And I'm like, Burke, there's no way that the Cardinals are going to trade me to the Giants in the <laughs> right. division. Right. Uh, that don't make sense. I've never been done. I've never seen it done in, in football since I've been there uh, from, you know, uh, my first seven years. I've never seen that before. I've seen right. guys get traded out of the division to the AFC, NFC West, NFC Central, but never to the same division. So. Right. So, um, so after the game, I uh, I go in and Coach Stallman wants to talk to me, and we go in and we sit down and we talk, and we air out our differences. And I said, "Listen, Coach, I said I don't mind if you won't stump to be a starter. Then, then so be it." I said, "But this back and forth just don't work with me, you know." Right. I said, "And it's not good for my hamstring. I mean, either I'm a play, or I'm not going to play. But just give me a, a definite. No, I want you and stump to play. I think both of you guys." can do the job for me. And, and we went on to that. So now that was that Monday, and we had just played the Giants. So that Monday, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, we we, we good. I, I go to my barber. I shave my hair off the side of my head and leave <laughs> just the little top part of my head. And I went okay. militant, man. I was definitely thinking militant. I ain't going to lie. I was thinking militant since he want to play these games. So I'm going to be militant. So. I shame my head. I, I got it really from Dwayne Thomas, who used to be for Cowboys. I, I you know, yeah. I admire Dwayne. He was a hell of a ball player. He was a hell of so, a player. And I hope I'm not taking too much of your time giving me a story, oh, but I'll oh, give you a story. Oh, oh, I've got to be honest with you. I so, didn't, at, at the start, I wasn't interested in the Cardinals. Now you've made me very interested. So thank you very much. I appreciate just, it. Oh, yeah. Let's see how this, how this whole thing went about. So now I'm thinking we're all good. I'm thinking we're all good. We had our meeting. Yeah. So. Normally, you get traded, you get traded on a Tuesday. That's your day off. Time for you to leave. Go where you're going to go. Get acclimated. Boom, boom, boom. That was fine. Okay? We're playing Tampa Bay Buccaneers the following week. Yeah. So I show up for, for practice and everything. We go through the annual roll call and all that kind of stuff. And now we get ready for practice. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking we're good. This is Wednesday now because I didn't get traded Tuesday. So I'm thinking we're good. I had a conversation with the coach, so we could. Right. So I'm on the practice field, and we are just finished doing one of our drills. Yeah. And I see uh, uh, Larry Wilson, which is player personnel. So he's come walking up to on the field, and, you know, everybody's seeing it. And, and uh, we just went into a break, and we're drinking water. And I just doing blitz pickup with Stump. I let Stump run the route because I didn't want to hurt my hamstring. And I was doing blitz pickup. So we were doing that. So right in the middle of the conversation, I'm talking to Coach Stallings, and I'm talking to uh, – I actually go back. Before we went on the practice field, we in the team meeting, and we're in the offensive unit, and the head uh, offensive coordinator, uh, I think Mel Moore was – Mel Moore was either something – I forget who it was. But anyway, we were talking about the game plan, and everything was Stump Mitchell, Stump Mitchell, Stump Mitchell, Stump Mitchell. And me and Roy Green sit by each other every day in the meeting. Yeah. Mm. So Roy looked at me and said, Juice, 
are you going to Tampa? I said, you know what, Roy? I wasn't really paying attention to that. I was just listening, looking at the game plan and looking at the plays we implemented and stuff. He said, you might want to find out you're going to Tampa. And what was weird was Hugh Green called us in the locker room and said, when you come to Tampa, I'm taking you guys out to lunch, I mean, dinner, and, you know, we're going to, you know, because we're friends. Uh, so he knew someone was working. So I raised, so, yeah, so I raised my hand and I said, uh, office coordinator, I said, uh, Coach, am I going to Tampa? <laughs> and his comment was, Everything that I'm telling Stump, you take heed to because it applies to you as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Roy, see, I, I am going to Tampa. So so now we're going to practice field, and like I said, Larry Wilson come out there, and then he comes come over, and I'm talking to Gene Stallers and Stump and me, and we were just talking about the blitz pickup and, and how uh, how the uh, Tampa Bay was utilizing uh, Hugh Green and you know, and whether or not we're going to fan and, uh, you know, the tiger's going to turn out and I'm going to turn in, you know, we're just talking. And all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, Gene Stallman walks away, just walks away. And I looked at Jeez. stuff, I said, well, that's weird. We up here talking about blitz pickup and, and how we can identify, and he just walked away in the middle of the conversation. And then Larry Wilson tapped me on my shoulder because my face was facing the coach and Larry Wilson walked in behind me. So he said, I need to speak with you. So now instantly you get nervous because normally when they come get you or talk to you about something, it is an emergency. Either a family member has passed away, right, somebody right. got injured, yeah, it right. was loan that line. So I'm thinking, what does happen? He said, I just need for you to walk back to Larry. What, is it my mom? No, she's fine. My wife? Uh, she's fine. I said, well, then what is it? He said, just, just walk with me. So I no. start walking with him. He's still not giving me information, so I'll get maybe – Walked by 20, 30 yards. And Roy, you know, he, we like family. Roy said, Jews, where you going? And, uh, and, and Larry said, don't, don't answer. I said, what do you mean don't answer? I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and he said, and Roy said, hey, Jews. You know, and then Coach Stallings saw what everybody started to look. <laughs> so he said, all right, man, let's break up. We're getting ready to go to another drill. So that shut them down from knowing what went on. So now I walk and I get almost to the, dugout because you know we use the cardinal baseball field yeah. i get almost to the dugout and then larry i said larry i'm not going in the first you got to tell me what's going on he said you just been traded i said what traded where he said in new york then i said new york who he said giant i said the giant <laughs> and he said yeah you've been traded to the new york giant i said can i stop playing i said one thing about us larry you know we all were good practice with joke type team and we, we did some real joking stuff and Yes. So I come to the locker room and I go right to the equipment guy named Bill. And I, we call him Skinhead. I said, Bill, uh, are you I got traded? He said, oh, man, no, but they did play a joke on you. I haven't heard anything. You ain't got traded. I said, okay. So I'm walking to the, to the uh, training room and they all jump up and say, hey, did your hamstring, did you re-injure in practice or what? I said, no. They tell me I got traded. They said, well, we haven't heard anything. So, well, we know you didn't get traded. I looked at Larry. I'm like, come on, coach. Are y'all playing a joke or what? And then the phone rang to the training room. I go to walk out, and they say, OJ, hold on. Phone call for you. I said, who? They said, Bill Parcells. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is a real good joke. So I'm really looking at this is a really great joke. So now I go to the phone, and Bill said, hey, kid, how are you doing? I said, yeah, Bill Parcells I hung up. <laughs> Did you? You hung up? Like, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> so then he calls back, and I sit there, and they said, it, it really is. So I got on the phone. I said, it, Coach Parcell? He said, yeah. He said, what happened? I said, oh, well, uh, 
He said, well, how you feel? I said, I'm good, Coach. He said, uh, well, I just want you to know we're happy to have you. I said, really? And he said, uh, uh, it was about 2 o'clock uh, St. Louis time, which is 3 o'clock your time. He said, All right. he said, I just want to know, can you be here t- t- this evening? And I was like, uh, no, Coach, I, I, I got to go home. I got to pack. And I'm still thinking, you know, I'm still like, blown away to this and yeah right so i'm like wow yeah i, I still can't digest this so i i walk out and i sit down on roy's stool because his stool is right close his locker rather was right close to the training room and i'm sitting on the stool and i'm sitting there with my hands in my face you know on my face and in walked bitwell and bitwell walked by and hmm. he and i had a great relationship yeah he walked by and he said nothing personal just business oh. and i never forget those words those words rang in my ear heart yeah. and mind for decades even now yeah it, right. you know and he said nothing personal just business so now i, I walk upstairs and adele harris which was um head of a public relations, she was just in tears. The whole front office was crying. And that must have been like maybe, I'm going to exaggerate, say at least 500 reporters was there. Yeah. And they were all like, and I'm like, this is madness. And they all wanted to talk to me. And I remember Miss Harris said, just don't say anything that can hurt you. Just, just you know, because I know you pissed. And we all pissed. We can't believe they did this. You know, right. and, and just, you know, just keep your cool and composure. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk to anybody. I just want to go home. And uh, believe it or not, I'm getting ready to go home, and I get a convoy. I get a convoy of fans who literally help God be home. And my wife was home watching TV, watching all my children, and it came through a special bulletin. It interrupted the show and said I was traded. She knew I was traded before I got home because it was a special bulletin. And people just was blowing their horn, and they were just wishing that we love you. We hate to see you go. And I'm wow. driving home thinking this still, still is a dream. This is a nightmare. This can't be real. And I get home and my wife meets me at the door. She's crying and then she get happy and, and she go like, well, you know, I'm from Jersey, so we're going home. You know? <laughs> so, so that's how she looked at it, you know, because her mom and her family, everybody was here in New Jersey. So oh, wow. it was coming back. So, yeah, so, 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 you didn't even... so that's, that's it. Yeah, so, Otis. Yeah, that was it. That's yeah. So, so Otis Gene Stallings never even said anything to you. You, you till this day, he never even no, said anything about you. No, no, never did. And you know what's weird was when we was in the Super Bowl, um, some reporters came over to me, and then, you know, before this was before uh, we left to go to Denver. Yeah. Because we went to Denver, uh, all the marquee players were down on the field, and I was up in the bleachers, and I remember one reporter started coming up the steps, and he got halfway there and realized that. He wasn't going to make it. He turned around and walked back down. I never forget that. You know, I just figured, you know, I just, you know, I just watched all of those guys be interviewed with ton and ton of people on those podiums. And I just said, one day that is going to be me. They're going to regret not talking to me. But, you know, but um, yeah, so Gene Stallings never did. So before I left, before we left to go out to, uh, out to uh, uh, Pasadena, one of the reporters said, uh, so OJ, so, uh, how you feel now that Gene Stallings traded you away and thought you was and has been, and now you and I said, you know what? I said, Gene Stallings in my career, because I could have been the all-time lead in Russia 
in the history of football because that's where I was aiming. That's what my goals were going to be for the next seven years or whatever years I was going to be a Cardinal. And he just railroaded me out of there. And I said, you know, I said, I, I don't like the way it was done. Uh, uh, you know, he lied to me in my face and stuff. And then Stallings had a remark back in the paper saying, OJ need to concentrate on playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, we're done with him, and he need to be done with the fact that he's no longer a Cardinal. Jeez. You know, and I was like, you know what, Gene? It's, you know, that's, 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 that was just, you know, those, those yeah. Cowboy coaches, there's something about those guys because Dan Reed ain't no different, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bitter with Dan Reed and Gene Stallings, but they both had their role. I mean, Gene Stallings gave him a chance to be a part of Super Bowl and scored in the Super Bowl, and then later on I was, you know, able to play in another one and have a more intimate role and did very well with that. And, you know, it's just the way they do things, man. I just don't appreciate it. And I'm, I know a lot of players uh, don't appreciate it, the way they get released and stuff like that, you know. And yeah. I hate if I sound a little bitter, but, you know, I know it's business, but it's just the way you do things, especially when oh. you have a veteran like myself. Nice. You know, it's protocol because he did some bad stuff to Sims too, the way Sims got – uh, uh, fired, uh, released from the team. He didn't even know it. It, 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 it came on the news. For he, they didn't call him. It came on the news. That's how Sims found out he got released from the Giants. But, but to go back, you know, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going ahead because I know you guys. Might, I'm just going to hit uh, Darius right quick, and I'll be done with it. No, you can say what you Reed. want, Otis. Your, time's yours, buddy. Go ahead. All right. I, listen, I, I go to Darius at the beginning of the season. When he became the coach in in uh, in ninety three, yes, ninety three. So I said to Dan Reed, I said, "Listen, Parcells was up in New England. Yeah. Parcells gave me a call and said, look, kid, uh, I don't know what your plans are. Come up to New England. I got this young running back out of Miami, Leonard Russell. I think he's a common copy of you, and I think you can do well with being a mentor to him. And you know, you know, you know our system and whatever. So I go to Coach Stallings." And I said, hey, Coach, what are my chances of making this team? Because, uh, you know, um, I, I just want to get a foot on it. He said, well, right now, looking at the roster, we have uh, Rodney Hampton. Yeah. Um, Lewis Tillman. Gerard Bunch and you. Yeah. And Lewis Tillman and you. Yeah. You know, he said, and uh, based on what I see right now, that's no way you won't make this team. So I stayed up there all offseason, did all the conditioning where guys went away. I stayed there, did everything we, he asked me to do. I did everything. And the draft come around, and they draft Kenya Rashid out of Oklahoma, a late-round draft pick. And uh, Gerard Bunch get hurt in training camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I moved to number two fullback. And I go through all the training camp. Had one of the best training camps that I've had in years. I was in great shape. I, I was heavy. I was like two – I was I finished, I was like 240. I was ripped because I spent the whole offseason – with their program, doing their off-season conditioning program, and, uh, and 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 learning the offense and everything, so I was really prepared. And then when Bunch got hurt, I did all of the sub package. I was number one person off the on the field for the sub package with the quarterbacks. My coach, which was um, George George Stillman Steve, I could forget his name, and uh, and he said. You know, I was having a great camp. I, I always ask him, Coach, how am I doing? I just want to know because, you know, I turned down Parcells to stay here. And, uh, you know, he said, listen, you have one of the best camp I've seen. Uh, there's no way. I don't see why you don't make the team. So we go through all through pre- training camp and preseason, 
And then we get we come up to the last preseason game, which is against the Dolphins right. down in Miami. And I call my family up and I say, y'all come see me you know, in the preseason game because they don't really like to travel. And it's the closest time I'm going to be in Florida. So uh, beginning of the week, we have, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, my mini camp, I mean, training camp going on and I mean, preseason and everything. And, and uh, we've played that Saturday and we flat out Friday. So I'm doing great practice. And the Wednesday practice, I think it was. Coach Reed? And he said to me, Coach Reed. Coach Reed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coach Reed. I'm sorry if I said anything else. Coach Reed. Right. So he said, uh, I got a question for you. I said, okay, Coach, what's up? He said, uh, have you thought about your future? I'm going like, "Uh, what do you mean? I've thought about my future. He said, have you thought about what you do if you didn't make this team? I said, well, coach, I'm kind of taken back. If I'm, I mean, I've started every game during preseason since Bunch got hurt. I'm number one fullback uh, on the roster. I'm number one for the sub package. I'm having one of the best cap I've had, and I'm, I'm kind of confused. He said, just what if you don't make the team? I said, well, coach, I don't have a plan D because I don't have a plan A, which is making this team. So I, I don't know about that. So, so if that's something I need to know, he said, you know, well, I'm. You know, I, I don't know. Right now, um, we're looking maybe to keep Kenyard Rashid. Well, I'm like, you could put him on the developmental squad and help me there. And, and I'm a veteran. I could have played running back and fullback because I know both positions. Right. So, 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 you know, he just said, well, I'm just saying if you don't make the team, I just want to know what you want to do. I said, well, you know. Now, at that point in time, I'm thinking, listen, if I'm not going to make the team, at least say you could be a player coach could offer me a running back position to be a running back coach and help out George since I've been there, you know, for seven years. And now, I mean, just what you would do a person of my caliber who was a, uh, um, MVP of the Super Bowl and all this kind of stuff. I thought that would be the way you would do stuff. You know, again, them very cowboy coaches, this is how they are. So, um, so we, we played a game, uh, and I don't go in until really toward the end of the, the uh, third quarter when everybody else is out there, when they put all the players who probably right. ain't going to make the team. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was just uh, – my position coach was blown away because he couldn't believe that, one, um, when they told me that Wednesday, Thursday, I just could not focus for practice because I'm like, why am I even here? I gave up my chance to go to New England, to stay here and do all of this. Here. And this dude played me. He played me for the whole preseason. He played me – all the way up until now, now he's going to release me? That's some bull junk. So I asked my position coach, like, did you know? Like, you didn't tell me. Did you know this was going to happen? And my position coach said, I had no idea. I've been blindsided like you. He said, I had you making the team. That's no, I, I, I you know, he said, I, I'm, 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 I'm gassed like you are. I, I, I'm hurt. I'm gassed. I, I can't believe it. But ain't nothing I could do. I'm just a running back coach. I said, I got you, coach. I can't beat you up for it. But, you know. So then it, you know, it, it put me in toward the end of the uh, – actually toward the, the fourth quarter with about maybe five minutes in the game, they throw me a bone, and I'm like, oh, you want to go out there? I mean, I'm out there with players who know they don't have a job, and here I am. Uh, I just felt that my talent level was too good to be out there with that kind of crap, but I was out there. After the last, after three weeks prior to that, I'm out there with – starters on on other teams yeah. playing well what? and now you put me out there with with you know with players who are 
ain't gonna make no team and probably not gonna even get picked up nowhere. So I, I was really pissed. So after that game, we flew back and we had a meeting on 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 Monday if you were gonna get released. Well, I went over there Sunday, and I took all my stuff out the locker and walked. And, and I remember uh, Eddie Wagner Jr. and Eddie Wagner Sr. was like, "What are you doing?" I said, "Hey man, I know they're gonna cut me, and I'm not gonna give the press, sorry, a chance to." be embarrassed that walk of shame i'm not gonna be part of the walk of shame yeah i'm not gonna even show up so i took my stuff out sunday i went home and i didn't give him the common courtesy of cutting me or calling me in. i left my playbook in the locker and i just left and i'm like you know i'm not i said part of my french i say screw you you are not going to have me walk of shame and and you know have you come in your office and send me out there no i i won't do that to myself so i just quit i guess i, I quit and uh, and then oh. I never heard from him. They never they never called and told me I was released. He never called, him, but it was in the paper. But they, nobody called me and told me that I was no longer a giant. So there we go. Otis, do you think there you got? Go. Otis, do you think you got personal with Dan Reeves somehow? Did I get personal with Dan? No, Reeves? no. Do you think it got personal somehow with Dan Reeves the way he treated you at the end, or was it strictly business? So that's just the way they. You know, the cow, the cowboy coach. The I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know because, again, like I was say, I mean, Dan and I, I thought we had a great relationship. Yeah. I did everything he asked me to do in the offseason. I stayed up. I did the offseason conditioning program. Uh, I was mentoring all the young guys. I did everything you can ask for, and I just got sidetracked, side, what is it, side swipe like that, and that just blew my mind. Well, you know, well. you know, it's, it's, uh, there was no free agency then, right? So, you know, you had a couple years in, in St. Louis that you, you sat or it didn't work. Uh, then you go to the Giants. You know, 86, you're back up. 87, strike short in season. 88, uh, Morris was still there. I think he had 1,000 yards that year. You know, those three years, plus the injury in 85, the strike season in 82, I, to I totally understand why you felt the way you did. That, you know, towards the end of your career at the Cardinals, that they, they shaved – Year the yardage, he shaved statistics off where you could have been, if not the leading, you know, top three, top four all time leading rushers. Now, what you just did was I hope, hope I hope all of America who listen to this, this podcast show <laughs> can understand one thing. Yeah. I may have had 10,000 yards, but look how long, look how short a period of time I got there. Right. If you go back and look at what you just said, yeah. had a strike in 82, shortened season. Didn't get a chance to get a thousand yards. I got a thousand yards seventy nine. I got a thousand yards in eighty. I got a thousand yards eighty one. We had a strike in eighty two. Eighty three, a thousand yards. Eighty four, thousand yards. I got hurt eighty five. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get a thousand yards. Eighty six, I got traded. Eighty seven, a strike. Eighty eight, I played short yards in goal line. Eighty nine, I started over a thousand yards. Ninety, I started, and then Rodney took over. So what I'm saying to people, I played 14 years in the league, but I don't have 14 years of consistent play. Right. No. And that's why I only have 10,000 yards. I would have had way more than everybody else. If you put my stats against anybody in the Hall of Fame, and you put my first years against anybody in the Hall of Fame, and you would see that my stats are, are very comparable to everybody in there and those who are in there – my stats are even better, other than the fact that they play whatever years they play, they play uh, a season that was not interrupted. And that's what you look at. That's why 
when I look at the fact that I'm not in the Hall of Fame and I understand people go in there ahead of me, running backs, I look at my stats, I look at their stats, and I shake my head because I'm like, there's no comparison. But yet, I'm outside looking in. You know, I'm sorry, Chris. Late, real quick, I'll make one point. You know, 10,000 yards should be the the 300 hitter, right? Should be the gold standard, especially in that era and looking at the seasons that you actually were able to play. So from that standpoint, just numbers alone, it's a no-brainer anyway, right? You should be in. So I just wanted to kind of add that, so. No, no, no. But listen to this here. Check this out, though. This is another thing. See, this is information I get from people who who rooted for me to get in the Hall of Fame. They bring me all this information. What was the toughest division in National Football League from the 70s and the 80s was who? NFC East. Right. I played against the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins. The Eagles. For seven years in the Eagles. Seven years. And look at my stats against that hardest conference in the NFC. Yeah. I played against. I played against the Bears. I played against the Rams, the 49ers. Look at the whole NFC and look at my stats. And this is what I'm saying. So, And I played against the NFC every – for seven games, for what? Seven games? Whatever games that you you have. um, But no, it was was eight because it was, was, what, five teams back then, so it was eight. Five teams. There you go. Yeah. Five teams, and you know, and, and look and look at what I did against all of those teams that were Super Bowl teams, the Redskins Super Bowl teams in the '80s, Cowboys Super Bowl teams. Okay, yeah, and that's what you had in during my era. It, either the Cowboys or the Redskins was winning Super Bowls in my era, yeah. and the Forty Nine came a little later. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, Otis, look, we're fortunate enough, me and Jerry, <clears throat> that you follow us on the Giants side, so you know how long we've been tweeting about you, about how you are robbed, about how you should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, um, so listen, you know how we feel. Like Jerry just said, he brought up a great point, Otis. The 10,000 yards is sort of like the 300 hitter in baseball. You know, that should be the mark, right? And then you look into the other factors, like you just pointed out, Otis. You, You look at the other factors about what happened during the course of your career, how many seasons were cut short. And to me and Jerry... And to the giant inside of 25,000 plus followers, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's a no-brainer, you know, that you belong in can. You know, so that's the way we feel. We'll get into that maybe a little bit more. But, hey, Otis, let's get to some good positive giant moments, all right? 89, yes, sir. 89, a lot of people think, hey, the juice is finished. Otis is done. The whole deal. You come out, 16 starts. You get over 1,000 yards. We talked to Mark Collins recently, Otis, and the 89 season sticks in his side. He feels he was robbed out of another ring, that that team yep. Yep. should have won it all. Otis, how do you feel about, of course, we all know what happened in the playoffs, the Flipper Anderson, all that stuff, but how do you feel about that team, Otis? Do you feel you were robbed out of your third ring? Absolutely. I, I think we had one of the best young teams coming along. I mean, we, we I mean, the things that we had going on, we had – you know, um, just just great camaraderie. Um, we had built the team back up to where it was respectable because, you know, we had the little downtime in 87. And we was on a roll. We, we really were on a roll. And and that Flipper Anderson, that bad call before that catch, changed everything. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the pass interference on Sheldon White. Yep. 
Yep, changes everything. So, okay, I just look at it just for just... Okay, Go ahead. Go ahead, Otis. Yeah, so, so Otis, so basically... I, I get Go ahead, Otis. Go ahead. No, go, 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 go. No, yeah, so basically the Rams game, we all know what happened. The call, Mark Collins playing hurt, flipping the whole deal. But you look at that, and Collins was like, hey, we would have won a Super Bowl that year, and now we're asking you, and you feel the same way, right? Hey, that 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 ball is ours that year. If we don't lose that game, I mean, that unfortunate loss. Well, what was unique about unique about that game was when I came out of college at Miami, my roommate was Kenny Johnson, who played fullback for the Giants in '79. And I said that if I played in the Super Bowl in the state of Florida, hmm. and I was the featured running back, Man. I would win MVP. Man. I told him that. When I came out of Miami, <laughs> and that year, that year, guess what the Super Bowl was? Joe yeah. Robbie Stadium yeah. in Miami, and who was the feature running back? I was. <laughs> so, my my prediction was right there. Yeah, my prediction was right there. And when Flipper Anderson caught that pass, and ended ended my dream. I remember sitting on my stool again with my hands on my face and I was bent over and I was like, wow, man, my dream of being the MVP of a Super Bowl in the state of Florida is over. And Maurice Carthon said, well, Juice, not necessarily. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know the Super Bowl next year is in Tampa. I said, are you kidding me? Tampa, Florida? He said, yep. I said, Mo, I said, Mo, I said, we're going. <laughs> and he said, yeah, right. I said, no, Mo, we're going. Yeah. He said, why you figure that? I said, because this is the last time for my destiny. Yeah. This is the last time right. that I'm going to have a chance to play in, in, in the Super Bowl in the state of Florida. At that time, I didn't think about, well, yes, because I just finished 89, just went over 1,000 yards. So I was the feature running back. And not knowing that we drafted Rodney in 90. Right. But I knew that. If that if everything adds up and being that I just went over a thousand yards, then I was gonna be the starter for the whole season. But Rodney was just so talented and Bill had me to groom him and, and and you know, it still worked out, but the fact was that opportunity reared his head again. Yeah. And there you are. It 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 life gave me God gave me another chance to fulfill my dream. So the ninety, the ninety team, you know, like it came in what mid year eighty six, most dominant Giants team of all time. The ninety team was mistake free, uh, very well coached, very talented. But they got there. You know, they. If you're not a Giants fan, it was a, it was a very methodical team to watch. And, and as a fan, as fans, we loved it. Would you say that, although you didn't make it 1,000 yards that season, like that, that Super Bowl, is that your crowning achievement, that game where you won the MVP and everybody remembers the Kelso, you know, uppercut? And, yeah, it just seemed like that yeah. that game was a microcosm of, of your season with the Giants. I, I, I agree. Um, it, was, it was the icing on the cake for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was finally that that – that chance to to live out the my prediction. That's how I looked at it. It was a chance to live out my prediction. Yeah. You know, who would have thought that Rodney would have got hurt? Right. In the playoffs. Who would have thought that? 
Yeah. And who would have thought that I would have been the man that Bill Fussell decided to go to? And, and, and he went to me because of my experience in the league. Right. He felt that he couldn't chance it with any young ball player. And he knew that I knew about ball control and I'm going to just do what I need to do. So, it, yeah, it, it was. It, um, it um, really, I think, put the action on the kick, as I said, as far as my career was concerned. What? Otis, was it a redemption moment? Like, did you think about the Cardinals and said, hey, that nice going. You thought I had nothing left. You traded me. Look at this now. Was it was it a personal redemption moment for you? No, I uh, I got past that because, uh, you know, the Cardinals gave me my birth, man. They gave me a chance to shock the world with my ability. Nobody knew about me coming out of Miami. There was a lot of guys who had better stats than me coming out of Miami. But to be the first running back pick, uh, the eighth pick overall, one behind Sims. So, um, yeah, I had a little bit of, you know, again, I grew up. I grew up and I got rid of the bitterness uh, other than, you know, Dan Reeves and Jay Stalin. It's still a a little salty there, but but overall, uh, what Mr. Bitwell and the Cardinals gave me, yeah, I I felt that I didn't have to um, say, ah, I did it, you know, you thought I was done. No, uh, uh, they saw it. They saw it in 80, 89. They saw it because yeah. we played them. Yeah. And they saw me. I, I got over 100 yards against them. So I proved my point that that Gene Stallings got rid of me a little bit too early, and then, you know, now I'm his headache. So, yeah, they had, yeah. had a, they had a 30-something-yard touchdown run against the Cardinals that game, right? Yep, right at, right at Giant Stadium. Sure yeah, nice, nice. Otis, going into the 90 Super Bowl, a couple of things I want to ask you about the 90 Super Bowl, obviously. Um, one, you guys were on the dogs. You know, the the Bills were, you know, their first year, their four-year run. They're coming off a huge championship when they destroyed the Raiders. Nobody really thinking the Giants were going to beat these guys. How did you feel going into that game? Was the locker room like, okay, let these people talk because we got these guys where we want them? How did you feel personally going into that game? Well, you know, Parcel is such a great motivator. And yeah. what Parcel said and did, which a lot of people don't realize, is that we played the Bills at home. Sims got hurt. Yeah. Costello came in. Yep. Rodney got hurt. I came in. The Bills finished the game with backup players, me and Hostetler. Yeah. So in their mind, even though they saw us in the playoff, we were backups. Yeah. We were, you know, when when you have backups on your team, why are they backups? Because they're not good enough. They're not better than the starters. They're going to be okay, but they're not your starters. So their whole mentality about me and Hostel was, we 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 backup. Hostel didn't have any kind of experience. He had really never played any major games. Right. So how can he be any good? And then they looked at me and said, man, he's over the hill. He's 32, 33 years old. I mean, he's an old, old, old has-been. How can he beat us? So, yeah, they looked at us like we were every bit of has-been. But what I tell you, Parcel did so very smart was before the end of the week, we had a team meeting, and Parcel had a, brought in a suitcase. 
And uh, I think he brought it in on Wednesday or Thursday. And he said, man, he said, there is no week in between the Super Bowl this year. Right after the NFC Championship game, you either go home or you go into Tampa. He said, I don't know about you, but I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm bringing one week of clothes because when I leave Tampa, when I leave San Francisco, I ain't coming back to Giant Stadium. <laughs> I want to know who's all on board. Nice. And we all hoot and holler and yell. That had to be some of the most positive things. So we couldn't wait to pack our bags. We all came in there on uh, on Friday without one suitcase or two suitcases or whatever it is because we know we didn't have that week in between. And we went out to San Francisco, and it was game on. That's incredible. Otis, you talked about after that Super Bowl Talk about something else for me. You're on the sideline, and Whitney Houston is doing that national anthem, yeah. right? Um, I know you've got, you've been on TV shows. You did some interviews about that. What's going through your mind, Otis? You're on the sideline. The country's <clears throat> at war. The Giants are in the Super Bowl. You, you know, a lot of people thought you were finished, but here you are, the number one back. You're going to be the man in the next 60 minutes. Whitney Houston is – forget about the performance. We all know. What's going through – could you oh, kind of tell us what, what, what was going through your mind at that moment? I'm going to tell you, man, when, when, when Whitney Houston sang that song, National Anthem, it gave me such an adrenaline rush. I think all of us, because nobody knew who was doing it. And normally, I, if I recall – I don't think we even would be out on the field for the national anthem. I don't think. I, maybe, maybe we did. Maybe we did. I don't remember. Right. But it was such a surprise to see her come out there in that white jogging suit. And and when I tell you when she got through singing, I was so geeked up <laughs> that I could I would have I would have beat the Buffalo Bills by myself. <laughs> but uh, it was just so like it was like she was singing to us. Nice. She was saying, you guys are underdog. Nobody expects you to win. You just go out there and shock the world because I'm going to shock everybody with this song. They'll never forget this song, and we will always be together. This song and what y'all do tonight will always be part of history forever. That's how I envisioned it. That's how I sat over there and took it. And I took it that she was telling me to go out there and do my thing because those bills did not have faith in what I could do and I just wanted to shock the world, and that's what I was thinking. Go out there and just shock the world. So you're down 12-3. Um, I know you're going to say you didn't, but was there any confidence loss at all? Were you panicking at all, or was it just this is this is how it has to be? Well, we knew offensively that they couldn't really stop us. Yeah. I mean – we, when we got the ball, we just blew them out, and we saw we was wearing them out. Yeah. And their offense was so quick to go in and out right. that every time we got the ball, we made it a long, methodical one-yard, two-yard, three-yard, four-yard, eight-yard pass, seven-yard pass, eight-yard, ten-yard, three-yard, one-yard, two-yard, three-yard. And they were huffing, and we were just 
just methodically moving the ball down the field, taking our time, eating up the clock. Yeah. So that's what we were thinking. We we just knew that we just take our time. We could beat these guys. And that you did. Um, of course, the famous drive. You come out of the locker room and you you know you use up over nine minutes. Otis, during that drive, the the, the famous nine minute plus drive. Did you start to see a little bit like these guys are gassed on the other side of the ball with Buffalo? Absolutely. And the reason <laughs> why is because I was hitting them inside. You know, it's like boxing. Yeah. If you keep hitting the head, you may knock him out. But if you beat that body, them hands drop, and now you can knock him out. Well, I was beating that body with my inside running. Nigga was going outside. Yeah, I was inside. Nigga was outside. So we were tying them out, and we just we was just being the heart of the the defense, which is their front line and linebackers, and we were just just pounding them, and you can see where they started to bend, not knowing they would break, but they started to bend, and we could feel it, and we just kept going, we just kept running. I had, what twenty four carries, yeah. I had, yeah, hundred two yards. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's that's some that's some body blows that'll wear anybody down, and then that nine minutes, like you say, the longest quarter ever in the history right. of the Super Bowl, we did it. Right, right. Hey, uh, I was going to ask um, on the last kick, what was your confidence level that that was going to be a miss? <laughs> well, I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> 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 I tell you what's weird about that whole situation. Yeah. Disney met with us on Saturday night. They picked five players they thought would be impact players. Mm-hmm. Hostella, me, Lawrence, Leonard Marshall, and Bavaro. Hmm. On the other side, they had Thurman, Andre Reed, Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Kanish yeah. Bennett. That was their five people. Disney met us one by one and said, if you are the MVP of the Super Bowl, here's two things you can say. One is I'm going to Disney, which is traditional. Mm-hmm. Or you can say for the first time, you dedicate the win to yeah. the troops because it was the Gulf War. Yeah. And I said, if we win the game, I'm dedicating this win to the troops. Nice. So I'm sitting there waiting on the kick. Disney is behind me saying, if they miss this kick, you the MVP, and you repeat, I dedicate the win to the troops. And I kept saying, what? They said, you say you did it. I said, I want to hear that. On the other side of the field, they was telling Thurman, if he make the kick, you MVP, and whatever he decided to say, that's what they want him to do. Well, <laughs> when they kicked that ball, I was toward the end, ready to run into the locker room if we lost. Right. I saw Thurman, Andre Reed, uh, who was the other receiver, uh, the tall one? Um, Lofton? Lofton, nice, Chris. Lofton, James Lofton. Yeah, thank you. And James Lofton. And the coach were all holding hands. Right. When that ball was kicked, that ball was straight down the middle 
they start raising their hands. And at that point in time, I turned away from looking at them, and I looked back up at the uh, the ball, and I saw it drift to the right. <laughs> and I said, holy jeepers, they missed the field goal. And Disney was behind me saying, you MVP, you the MVP. <laughs> they I dedicate this win to the troops. They followed me on the field. The game wasn't over because we had to go back out there for two seconds. Uh, Otis, obviously a great moment for the Giant fans and a great moment for you, dude, being MVP, steamrolling guys. We all know about the Kelso, but just so many great moments from you as a Giant. You know, um, Look, Otis, <clears throat> I remember when we played against you, every time the Giants would have to play the Cardinals, my biggest fear was you. <laughs> I'm going to stop that big man with the feet. That's what I used to say all the time. Wow, um, thank you. It was a pleasure to watch you play football, my man. It's even more of a pleasure to talk to you because you're a gentleman. Just a quick story, Otis. Um, my dad met you back after the 90 Super Bowl win. Uh, some kind of business function. He worked in Manhattan for some stock rocket, and uh, Banks was there, and you and a bunch of other guys. Jumbo was there, and I remember him telling me what a class act you were. It was some kind of luncheon at the stadium. Anyway... Uh, I want to say so. I want to say thank you, Otis, for being the man that you are, uh, and you know what you've been for the Giants. And my last question to you, Otis, is um, I always like to ask this because you know it's Parcell. So I have to ask you, Otis, give me your best Bill Parcells moment, funniest moment. <laughs> um, Bill had Lewis Tillman uh, come from Jackson State. Yep. Broke Walter Payton uh, college records, yep. and uh, he he would he would all, he would call me either old red or old yellow. I can't remember which one it was. And I remember him coming out to practice one day, and he always told Lil Tillman to follow me wherever I go. If I go to the bathroom, get a stall next to me. If I drink water, get the cup and put the water in for me. He <laughs> just had Lewis to do everything. So he comes over one day, and we stretching and. He said, I will tell you the story about the farmer and, and the hound dog. I'm like, what? what? Where are you going with this, Bill? He said, well, you know, that, 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 that this farmer who had this, this, this hound dog uh, early in his career, every time the farmer opened the door, that old dog was old red or old yellow, he would run out that door just a hogging butt, just looking for birds, looking for rabbits. I mean, the farmer could never keep up with it. He said, but later on, that old dog, for whatever reason, got older, and the farmer would open the door, and he had literally had to wait on the old dog to come out old yellow or red. Or, had to wait on him, and they quite have the same enthusiasm that he had <laughs> early on. <laughs> but, but, but yet he still would try to go out there and hunt. He said, but then that farmer went and got him a little pup. And that little pup, Remind the big dog what it was like to be king of the house. <laughs> so every time that farmer would open that door, that young pup would just run out there and, and ready to hunt and, 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 and just, just, just show all kind of enthusiasm like it was in the days when, when old Red used to do that. <laughs> he said, but after about a couple of weeks, I would open up that door. That farmer would open up that door thinking that that little pup going to be first one out the door, but old Red 
was the first one out the door. So I said, well, what's the moral of the story, Coach? He said, the moral of the story is it may take a young pup to get an old dog to remember he still can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is typical boss sells right there, right? Otis. Well, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so that's my process moment. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, Otis, what, uh, there, right? what, uh, what are you up to these days? And, and you know, listen, man, you, you gave us so much of your time. Anything you want to plug or anything? Yeah, man, listen, there's a company called Tridelic. Lawrence Till and I are, are partners in the company. It's okay. T-R-I-D-E-L-I-X, Tridelix. Okay. It's a, it's a sports company that has taken 3D and converted to 5D. Wow. And it's animated uh, shadow box type photos. You got to go to the website, look it up. It's, it's tridelic.com, T-R-I-D-E-L-I-X, Tridelix. And LT tells people Tridelix is a 5D company. And here's how he explained it. 1D is your head moving left to right. 2D is your head moving up and down. 4D is your head not moving. No, no 4D is BS and 5D is Tridelix. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll uh, I'll, t- I'll, tweet, I'll so, tweet the com- we'll tweet the yeah, company too. We'll, so, we'll let everybody know. Yeah, yeah, so Tridelic, yeah. So that's how he explained it. Left to right, up and down, side to side. 4D is BS, and then 5D is Tridelic. That's awesome. <laughs> only Lawrence. Only, yeah. only Lawrence. That's right, only Lawrence. Well, listen, man, yeah. this this has been an absolute honor um, to give us over an hour of your time. You know, the good thing about this one is, Otis, oh, this, no this, this, episode is all, this episode is all you. So <laughs> we're just going to do a quick intro, and then it's like, oh, there, there it is. You have the Otis Anderson interview. So, um, yeah, as a fan, like Chris <laughs> said before. No, don't be sorry. This is awesome. No, don't be sorry at all. But, uh, you know, Chris was Great saying stuff. before, um, I, you know, as a fan, I want to thank you. I mean, you gave me, you know, as corny as it sounds, some of the best moments of my life watching you play and that, that Super Bowl in 1990. Look, I, I live closer to Philly than I do New York, so I, I was able to brag a lot back in those days. So I want to I want to thank you just for that alone. But in all seriousness, you you are the embodiment of a New York Giant, and I know you spent seven years with the Cardinals, but uh, trust me when I say you are beloved by the fan base. Uh, you know, you're almost royalty. You are royalty in, in, to the fan base. So I just want to thank you from a personal standpoint, bud. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys. I know you got disconnected right quick, but I love you guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and Otis, big man, you stay safe. I don't know if you're ever down in Huntington County, but if you're ever out in Huntington County since you're back on the golf course, whatever you, if you're ever down here, hit me up, my man. I'd be happy to do 18 with you on me. You hear me, big man? <laughs> I am, listen, I'm going to hold you to that. So when I get off the phone, you send me how I can reach you because I'm going to sure enough take you up on that, big guy. i uh, tell you what. I'll DM you my, my cell phone. Whatever you're down on. Where are you? Where are you in Jersey, Otis? 
I'm up in Caldwell, in Caldwell, New Jersey. All right, so you're up north. You're not, you're not, you're not far. You're a half hour away from Huntington County. And yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you down there with Mike Matucci. Mike Matucci is down that area. Yeah, yeah, he's down. Yep, yep. For Big, yeah, for Big Blue Travel, yeah. So yep. hit me up, yep. man. Give me that info, and I'm going to hold you to that. So on me, my man. I'll be happy to do 18 with you. And stay safe. I hope, I hope the family, the daughters are safe. Everything's good. Everybody's well. And uh, we'll talk soon, folks. Yeah. I appreciate for the time, man, and I hope I didn't, you know, didn't embarrass you or take too much of your time. But I appreciate you letting me tell my story. And when I get to the Hall of Fame, we got more more to talk about. So thank you. We want to, we want to be invited. We want to be invited with your entourage, bud. All right. Well, you you, you hear it on the air right now, ladies and gentlemen. If I get to the Hall of Fame, these guys will be there. Thank you. Excellent. Good stuff, man. Thanks so much. Oh, just take care, buddy. All right. Be good. Bye, bye. All right, folks, you are listening to the Giant Insider Podcast with Chris Bizignano and Jerry Foley, available on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and a host of other platforms. Man, how awesome was that, bud? Yeah, um, Otis was great. Really was. Um, <laughs> he just says, what more can I say? I mean, at, at one point, you know, he was going on and on. And he asked us, are you guys still there? He thought we were, he thought we were gone. <laughs> he thought we got disconnected. He gave me a comment at the end. He's like, I, I know you got disconnected there for a while. I'm like, no, we, we were just letting you go. But, hey, Jerry, just quickly, you know, I think people are gonna, I think people are gonna really, you know, they're gonna, they enjoy this interview, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember Jerry. I remember in '79 when he came in the league and he was in a giant division. You know, he was in our division. Remember back in the day? Yep. And I was like, first time I, first few times I saw him, Jerry, I was like, holy crap, we gotta deal with this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Twice a year, would hit. He was a big boy who could run. Yep. Uh, excuse me, who could catch, and he had quick feet, man. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this guy's gonna be a headache, and he was. Yeah. He was, and yeah. he was a he was a hell of a player, man. We kind of got into it. He went into it. Probably mo- the reasons why he didn't make the Hall of Fame. Oh, he should be in it, but but the seasons were cut short, and one reason or another, right? Yeah, two strikes. Yeah. And yeah, but it, it was. Unbelievable football player, uh, and really helped the Giants. Obviously, Jerry, we know in '89 and '90 in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to kick his butt on a golf course, Jerry, though, just to remind him, you <laughs> yeah. know, that he, yeah. you know, that he was a Cardinal one time, and just for a little payback for the time he used to kick out the crap out of us when he was a Cardinal. I didn't bring it up to him, but I thought I remember when he scored a touchdown in '86. I remember even as a kid, I, my dad and I were watching. My dad was like, you know, this is like a a send off for Otis probably because they traded for him. He hardly ever played. Uh, he was sitting behind Joe Mars, who had like 1,500 yards in, in 86. And it was almost like, hey, man, um, all right, that's it for Otis. Uh, we got him a touchdown. That's very cool. Nice job, Giants, and we'll see you later. <laughs> yep. And then yep. who who knew that he'd still had game left and was still a very good player. 1,000 yards, right? A couple yeah. years left. Yeah. Incredible. Who yeah. would have thought, thought that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, to- totally a Parcells kind of running back, too, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Parcells type of character, Jerry. Yeah, Absolutely. Good stuff. You know? Good stuff. Parcells uh, type character. I love when he said about Lewis Tillman about you follow Otis everywhere to the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was awesome. Good stuff, man. It was. Um, all right. Let's get to Twitter questions. We got 56 responses today. Pretty good for the uh, the time of year it is and everything we're going through. The first one we'll lead off with is Sean Allen at Spa 32 Blue. Any insight into the rumors of the Giants having interest in Josh Gordon? Not sold on Gordon, but I feel like we need a big physical receiver as an option for DJ. Most of the receivers are on the smaller side. Just curious about your thoughts. Hashtag buffoon crew. No, I haven't heard anything about Josh Gordon. Um, haven't heard about interest. 
or anything like that. So I know it was brought up, obviously, the connection with New England Judge and all that. But no, I haven't heard anything about him. Uh, Joey Z at Molten Center 81. Is Chris still rocking the Ozzy Osbourne look, or did he finally get a haircut? <laughs> Joey got the haircut yesterday, bud. Nice. Did you really? Yes, sir. How'd that feel? It actually felt weird. <laughs> you feel lighter. First one in almost four months. Um, What's but uh, no, no, it was it was good. I actually felt uh, pretty good, man. So yes, Joey, yesterday cut off the hair. Uh, shorter now, you know, compared to the uh, that Aussie look I had going. Uh, Joey Z, thanks for the recommendation recommendation on Alfie's in Wildwood. That was good, bud. Thank you very much. Hey, Joey, uh, I'm still waiting for the golf invitation, bud. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> nice um family six pack at family six pack one who is the biggest buffoon in giants history player coach front office uh, oh oh just gotta be uh <laughs> ray, ray, ray ray hanley's got to be coach no I, I think i would say overall i mean you took a super bowl team and destroyed it in two years <laughs> it was still a decent team in 93 i know they had michael brooks and some other denver you know, uh, Reeves went on that Denver spree when he came over. Uh, 91 was still the team. Right. right. <laughs> Has to be Ray Hanley. Yeah. Wow. I, wow. Uh, Tom at Tom Lap, who is such a good dude. He's such a nice guy, Tom. Even though he yeah. gives me crap about, not, you know, he's like, oh, I know you don't like Eli. And then he puts Eli in the tweet, like, at Eli Manning. I'm like, Tom, <laughs> come on. Uh, <laughs> since you're most likely doing the podcast as I tweet, um, too late. No, you're not. Just want to thank you for the true diversion from reality. Yes, I do listen to each podcast more than once. Laugh every time. Don't change anything. At Bobaloo54, at Bob Sagendorf, our producer. So not a question, uh, but thank you, Tom. And um, that's awesome. So, Bob, uh, and up in the uh, the judges' chambers up in Connecticut. Hope you're, uh, hope you're listening, pal. And, Tom, thanks for th- uh, tweeting at Eli. Let Eli know <laughs> what the hell Jerry Foley's up to. <laughs> nice. There you go. Rob Cosis at Rob underscore K underscore JR. Hey, could you guys give us an update on Golden like dates and what the likely outcome will be? I think you touched upon it in the last podcast. Yeah, it's just a certain date, right? If no one signs him, he's ours, right? Yeah, it was it July 22nd. I think it's July 23rd, I believe. Yeah. Uh, guys, they're just sitting back waiting to see if another team signs him. If he doesn't, if they don't, if no team signs him, he's a giant for $4.1 million in yeah. 2020. Um, Which we kind of, right? I mean, that's what we, we kind of hope that happens, no? Oh, I, I want him. Absolutely. Yeah. Are okay. you kidding me? I'll take him in a, I want him back in a heartbeat. Said it before. Yep. Um, the Mecca of NYG, assuming the Giants run an odd front, who has the in- inside track to start next to Blake Martinez on the inside? Could someone like Lorenzo Carter move inside and, inside and compete with Mayo and Connolly? Can't wait to hear from Otis. Oh, thanks. I would say it's Connolly's job to lose as long as he's healthy. Yep. I don't think Carter's not moving to the middle. I don't know no. when that started, and it's not going to happen. Nope. Um, I would say beginning of camp, it'll probably be Mayo with the ones um, until Connolly is 100% or work, you know, works, his, works the rust or works his way back in. Um, but against the Steelers opening night, if Connolly's back help, I would expect him next to Blake Martinez, Jerry. I agree. Texas wine lover at TX wine lover. Why do quarterbacks? Good question. Why do quarterbacks need to point out the Mike linebacker before the start of every play? Hashtag buffoon crew. It's blocking schemes. Uh, Texas wine lover. Is that if that's your real name? 
Um, it's blocking schemes for the, a lot of times it's for the guards and tackles, especially on a pass play. The mic, the middle linebacker is not, the, the mic is not always the middle linebacker. It could be the weak side or strong side, depending on how the alignment of the defense is. The, the, for some reason, and it's not, again, I, I was going to say I'm picking on Eli, but I remember when Eli was a rookie yell, uh. yelling out who was the mic was against the Ravens, and they kept yelling, no, I'm the mic, no, I'm the mic. All the players <laughs> were yelling it back at him. <laughs> yes, that is a true story. <laughs> they, they do like them, not just Eli, you know, know. Uh, they do like the rest of rookies like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny, though. They did do that. So here comes the why do you hate Eli? Tweets. <laughs> it, 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 can we have one podcast where you not taking a shot at you? Like speaking of that, Lisa at So Bad Six uh, chimes in. Hey guys, Phase Two here in New York, and things are getting better. Thanks for keeping us sane through all the craziness. Really appreciate it. No problem, Lisa. Um, question: If you could relive one giant season, which year would it be? Uh, Eighty-six, without even batting an eye. So. Yep. Right. Eighty-six. I mean. Yep. Um. Here we go. Javier Burgos, without OTAs and mini camps and the added practice squad, how hard do you think that one or any of the late round picks make the 55 roster and who do you think will make it? So, you know, without all this mm. playing time, yeah, it's a good question. The coaches aren't going to see yeah. him. Javier always asks good questions. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think a lot of the late round picks have a shot, right? Coughlin's yep. going to make the team. Um Cam Brown, your boy, the guy you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be tough to say. It's the later it's ones. It's going to be that, tough. Yeah. Yeah. Williamson. It's going like to be tougher, Jerry. No question about it, man. They're going to have to catch up in camp, man, because they haven't seen these guys on the grass yet, you know? And, you know, Williamson, the, the other kid from Minnesota, the corner. Yeah, Chris I mean, Williamson. He's yeah. got his work cut out for him. There's 17 corners on this team. So, yeah. Yeah. you feel bad for a kid like that. Hey, Jerry, look, even a Don A. Holmes. We haven't seen the kid yet. Right. You know? Yeah. And his, you know, this kid has high expectations. No, no doubt about it. Competing in a slot. Giants want him to win the slot job. Right? Yep. But he's behind the eight ball. Right. He hasn't been on the field yet. Yeah, you're right. They got to catch up. These kids got to catch up, man. You know? And camp. Not going to be easy for these kids, man. It's tough. Big brain Joe Judge. Chris and Jerry, who is your favorite player on each side of the ball? Do you have a favorite player, Chris, or you try to remain uh, objective? What, what do you mean? Uh, as, as far as ta- uh, who I like the best? Yeah. Or personally? Or, or, or... Well, you can take it how you want, bud. Um, oh, I have to go. Obviously, I'm going to have to go. Well, I love go- Golden. Well, <laughs> Golden Tate. Uh, there's a few of them. You know, Golden, Golden Tate, Tate and Julian Tate Love. Home. Just saying. Julian Love on defense. Uh, defense probably Julian Love. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, Lamento Carter is such a good dude. I, 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 there's so many of them. I got to be honest with you, man. Yeah, Sterling Shepard's your boy too. Uh, Shepard, I, I love Shep. If we uh, ever interview him, I'm yep. gonna remind him that it took you about seven names before you got to Sterling Shepard. So, um, <laughs> probably Shep and offense, uh, defense. Oh man, it's tough. So there's a few of them, man. I love X Man too, man. Uh, I love what Peppers brings every damn game. The intensity. Yeah. So many of them, man. So so many. Yeah, tough one. Um, big blue VCR, oh, doing God's work during this time. If you look back at Tiki Barber's, his final few seasons, they were Hall of Fame worthy. His performance in the season finale in 2006 in Washington put the Giants in the playoffs and saved Coughlin's job. Is it time for Giants fans to forgive him for the way he left? 
Want me to take that one first? Yeah, bud. I don't have his... Well, again, here, here we go. What he said, I love that Eli fought back. <laughs> I love okay. that Eli said, oh, I'm glad he's making a great transition to the media. I didn't take that as bad as I did his, his goodbye tour. Like, announcing like he's Jeter, that he's leaving early in the season. And look, yeah. man... It, strangely enough, Chris and I are not the biggest Coughlin fans, right? I, is that honest? Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yes. Chris? Okay. Yeah. But he did save Tiki Barber's career. So, but you know, Barber Tiki also Tiki also saved his career. Right, and, and right, they needed each <laughs> other, and he, but he clearly didn't like playing for Coughlin. I just wish he went about it differently. If he just said at the end of the season, "Look, man, I'm still young. I've got my wits about me." I'm healthy. I'm walking away. I think Giant fans would be like, "All right, man. Uh, thanks for everything. That sucks, but good luck." But the way he went on a retirement tour, like he was going to get cars at every stadium he went to. Yeah. But look, he was great. Just I, I overall, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't bother me one way or another, to be honest with you. Well, that's because he took a shot at Eli, so you kind of like it deep down. But <laughs> um, look, even the Eli thing, I don't like what he said about Eli. But I, I think that might have came out wrong in right, a way right i don't think he was really looking to make a personal attack on right. eli it just came out like the guys can't talk as a leader you know, uh, look it was wrong he shouldn't even made a comment about the dude but he did i don't think he meant it in a vicious vicious way he just came out you know sometimes things come out the way you don't really want them although with you jerry with eli it comes out exactly the way you want him so unfair. but but um listen he had a great run with the giants those three four years man now, did, he had over 10,000 yards, Jerry, rushing? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he had 10,000, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like we talked about with Otis. That's like the magic number, you yeah. know? Yeah, it should be. Um, so uh, he's he's a borderline guy, man, you know? No yeah. question. It's funny. Otis Anderson actually responded to somebody's tweet saying, there are a few of us with the numbers and accolades <laughs> that don't have gold jackets. <laughs> well, <laughs> nice uh, job, Otis. let's put it this way. Yeah. Not people have listened to this. Otis interview and Otis is pissed, man. Rightfully so. He yeah. he's pissed about not being in the Hall of Fame. He hopes he gets to get there one day. Deserves it, and he uh, deserves to be in there. So, uh, and by the way, if he goes, he said he's taking us. So yeah, no, yeah, I'll hold yeah. him to that. Yeah. Carson's Gatorade Dunk. Love the pod and the interview with Mark Collins a few weeks back. My question is, who would you consider our top three cornerbacks from '85 to the present? Thank you both for all that you do. Very welcome. I love these questions, man. I love the ranking stuff. I really do. Um, you want to take that first? Or you want me to go? Um, I'm going to go Seahorn, mm-hmm. Collins, mm. and what, when did Mark Haynes get traded, Jerry? Uh, 80, no, before 86. Because he, I think he, or during the 85 season. Mm. He played in 84. He made the Pro Bowl. And I think he had six interceptions. Wow. Wow. I can't so, believe I'm naming that. Well, if he was on a, I, I got to look. If he was on an 85 team, probably those three right there. Sihon, Collins, and Haynes. Yeah. Uh, and Eli Apple. Three. <laughs> right, right. Dave Thomas. <laughs> um, I would go with those two as well. Collins and Seahorn and Seahorn. I'm missing somebody. Am I missing somebody? Go ahead. Who no, you got? I like Filippi Sparks. Um, Over who? I, Mark Haynes was a little... A, I started watching the Giants in 83. I remember Mark Haynes, but oh, okay. I thought Filippi Sparks was very good. He was, um, he was a good corner. I, you know, it's funny, dude. I loved the corners that we had in the 07 to 11. They weren't at that level, but like, I thought Corey Webster was very underrated. Uh, I guess I go uh, with you. I guess, uh, excuse me. The question was top three. I know, I know. Not guys you liked. 
I know. I'll go with yours. I'll go with yours. I think Haynes was traded in 85, I think. I think he was holding out. Well, no. so. Was it 80, at the end of 85, right? Because Bob Collins was basically given the job because Haynes was gone. Well, it was Perry Williams and Elvis Patterson in 86. Collins was like the third. But Haynes was gone, right? Yes. So 85 was his last year. So I'm going to go with Haynes, Collins, and Sihon. I'll go with the same. How's that? Nice job by you. No, yeah, I'm just saying. You no, I wouldn't I, I would have thought of Mark Haynes. I forgot about Mark Haynes. Nice he job. was good. That dude was good, man. Yeah. Oh, let me see. Good question, by the way, by that guy. Carson's uh, Gatorade. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh, that was, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, Martin Malella. You guys yeah, are right? great. Thanks so much for an awesome podcast. What free agent wide receiver will you think the Giants go after to boost their depth chart? Do you think they're going after anyone? Free agent wide receiver? No. Yeah, no, they're, I don't. they're just, that's it. They're done, right? I mean, I don't think they're doing anything. Who, who are you going after? No, I don't see anybody. See, now this guy just wants to get his question asked. I mean, he's lucky that, I mean, if you were reading him, you probably would have read his question first. Aldo Ochoa. Love, Julian Love, in my opinion, was very good last year. <laughs> <laughs> this year he stays at free safety or gets back to corner. What says you, Chris? Oh, oh, no, not with the X-Man and Peppers back there. I'm going to say he's going to go over the slot, a corner, you know, one of those. Yeah. And some and some safety, but right now you're looking at McKinney and, and Peppers. Right. All right, we'll do some more. Um, Tim M., for Chris, were you more surprised by the departure of David Tyree to open a clean juice or the departure of Mark Ross to pump gas on Route 9? Uh, Mark Ross... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Tyree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we go. Good question. Marissa K39. Really good question. If fans are not allowed in the stands this year, how likely is it that the, that the Giants will still retire Eli Manning's jersey sometime during the season? That's a good That's question. A great, That's a great question. Marissa, I'm sorry. I don't know what they would do with that. What would you I do? Could, I would wait to 2021. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Marissa, but, between me and Jerry, we would wait, but I don't know what John Mara is going to do. I, I would imagine he would wait. Yeah, it's give it. Give What's him the, the point? No, yeah. Yeah, Jerry, that would be like weird. <laughs> it would be so weird. The players would be cheering him. I would imagine, Marissa, they would wait the next season. Rob Ford with a wise-ass question. I love it. Jerry, Jerry yes. Go just ahead. quickly, what if they allow like 30,000 fans out of 25,000 fans? In nah, he deserves, a, he deserves a stadium full. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree, dude. Yeah. Rob Ford with a wise-ass question, which is very good. Jerry, who are three Giants past or present, you dislike more than Eli. UK buffoon crew, I'm not answering you got that. Some, you got some rep now, Jerry. I know. By the, I, way, by the way, Marissa, if it was up to Jerry, he, he wouldn't care if there was no fans in it. <laughs> That's so not true. Here we go. Chris Nails, who will be our starting corners in the first game? Oh, good one. I'm going to go with – you asking me? Yeah. I'm going to go with Baker and uh, Bradbury. I'm going to go Bradbury and Love. I think Baker's going to serve something, even if he's found By not... September? Yeah. Okay. I do. I think it's going to be Love and Bradbury, and Holmes will be in the slot. I'll even give you the slot guy. Boom. Oof. How about that? The Grant Haley or Ballantin, they're still on the team, or one of them gets cut? Uh, Ballantin's on the team. Grant Haley, uh, as you would say, launched. <laughs> okay. Unless he puts on 20 pounds and becomes a linebacker. Um, here we go. Good question. Another good one. Gibbo at Brett underscore Gibson. Corey Coleman is on the bubble. 
Will his time at New England with judge coaching be a positive or negative, or has he done enough to get over the work ethic questions, in your opinion? That's a great question, man. Well, this time in New England's not going to, you know, he's going to have to produce on the field. He's going to have to show he belongs on his roster, either by returning kickoffs or or playing well, to, you know, at the outside, you know? Yeah. Um, so the time in New England's not going to do nothing for Judge. Um, and I don't know, I don't quite get the uh, work ethic question. I don't know where that came from. Well, I don't know if he caught the, got the playbook or, or, or something or the work ethic issues. I'm not sure what the, the story was with Corey Coleman. He couldn't put it together, but I don't know what that entails. So I think yeah, that's what so, he's referring to. No, I don't, yeah, I don't know anything about that. But um, as far as his time up in New England, that's, that, that means nothing, the judge. He, all, that, all that means is that he knows what the kid could do and all that. But he's going to have to come out and, A, show he's 100% healthy, right? He's coming off a serious injury. Yeah. And he have to find a spot. You know, you, you know listen, he, he has a spot for receiver. This spot's open. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This spot's open. So he can win a spot there, man. No doubt about it. Here we go. A few more. They're good questions tonight, man. Craig, you guys brought your A game. Craig YG at Craig YG103. First tweet ever. Do you think Nate Solder's downfall has to do with the type of quarterback Jones is? He is more mobile than Eli and Brady, which gives the edge rushers better angles, benefiting speedy edge rushers. Also, Eli and Brady are known for getting the ball out quickly. Uh, well, well, go ahead before I say something that just me? makes everybody mad. Yeah. Well, Brady definitely helped Solder a lot there up in New England, getting, right. getting the ball out quickly. And stepping up in the pocket. I mean, Nate Solder made a career of pushing yeah. the guy past. Brady yeah. steps up, boom, fires. Uh, listen, Craig, Nate Solder's downfall last year is just that he just didn't block very well. And yeah. he had a ton of problems right. with edge, speed edge guys. All right, as you know, and so that he has to take care of, man. Uh, look, Brady helped him a lot up in Foxborough. The way he, Tom Brady is so masterful in the pocket, two ways, getting rid of the ball and stepping up right. with his feet, you know? Um, so, hey, uh, no, I'm not going to go blame anybody else. Solder just didn't play well this year. He was, off. he was not good at all. So we'll see what happens this year. All right, two, I'm sorry, two, man. two more. No, two more. Oh, I think you wanted to add to it. Okay. No, you said it. Uh, uh, two more. Ma Maddie, M-A-H-D-I, Maddie. I'm sorry. Othman. Good question. Hey, Chris and Jerry. Do you guys believe Holmes would be the day one starter at slot corner position? Or do you think he shares reps with love? Thank you guys for the great podcast. As always, hashtag the phone crew. P.S. We'll take whoa, you guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got another Island here? Well, yeah. P.S. We'll take you guys out to Royal Crown here on the island anytime you're free. Oh, well, what's, Jerry doesn't. Sorry, Jerry what's Royal Crown? on Staten Island, Matt. Matt he's, he's afraid to go on Staten Island. What's, so, what's, what's Royal Crown? It's a great. I tried to, I tried to suck Elisa once into taking me over there when I was by, uh, by a house. I know where she lives. She lives, she lives like five minutes from Royal Crown. It's just a great uh, sandwich place, Jerry. Oh, you know, cool. hot, the whole deal. Oh, nice. One of the best sandwiches there is. Um, but Matt. I'm sorry if I say your name wrong. Matt, Maddie? Yeah, I'm, I'm messing it up too. Maddie, I'm sorry. Maddie bro. or Maddie, I'm sorry if I yeah. say your name wrong. Um, I will take you up in that because I'm on my old place, my old island, a lot. Um, but World Crown is great. And I hope you talk about the one up the boulevard, Maddie, not the, not the little joint out by Princess Bay. So Jerry won't come. Jerry uh, does like Staten Island. He's, he's a little afraid. He told me he's a little afraid to go on Staten Island. Not true. I do. I'll give you a place though that was Brooklyn. That was a great sandwich place. How's it compared to Del Fonte's? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's along those lines, Jerry. Okay, good. All right, there you go. See? I had some... There you go. Boom. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, The King of Staten Island. I, I'm offended by that title. I, I like... That's... That movie, that's kind of... You know. Well, he's from Staten Island, although I never heard of him. Yeah, and that's. He, I think that's Chris Bizzignano. I, I would, well, I don't know about that, but I never heard of the dude on Staten Island. So, but what is... Is he trying to say he was Mr. Staten Island, or was it just something about his father dying? I Did never, his father die in 9-11 in real life? I think so. I didn't see the, well, the so movie. Maybe it's about his dad dying and his dad was a fireman. I, I didn't don't know that. Know. No, no clue. All right. Um, two more, promise. Mo Atwa, big time fan. Question: How confident are you with our backup tight end position? Hmm. Uh, we can't rely on Ingram. Whatever we get from him as a bonus, do you think Caden Smith or <laughs> Levine Tolo something will have a big role in twenty twenty? Yeah, dude, Caden Smith is. I, to me, he's. To me, he's could be the starter. I, he he was good. I'm fine with our backup tight end. I'm more concerned with behind Caden Smith. I like the I like the way you put Levine told us something. I know how funny is that, right? <laughs> well, I think you're gonna like the big boy Levine. He could block a little bit, you know, and he's gonna be a target in that red zone. It's a big boy, you know. Yeah. That's like when you uh -huh. said that's when you used to say Big George, Big, you know, the the tackle, George, Big George. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, listen, I'm not gonna go whatever we get from England's a bonus. Let's not throw it. Let's not, you know, I'm not gonna go there yet. But I understand what Mo's getting at. Um, hey, listen, I like our tight end position this year, Jerry. Why is that, Chris? Why is that, I guess Chris? you don't want to answer me. So I'll answer myself. Why is that, Chris? Well, I'll tell you why, Jerry. That was um, it. By the way, that again, I've said this before. That was a Don Rickles move. Okay, well. Now, I'm telling I mean. you, it's the, the, the Don Rickles, Johnny Carson thing. You do it sometimes. It's hilarious. But go ahead. I didn't even know I even did it. Okay. <laughs> but listen, Jerry, getting back to the point, I, I like a tight end position. Yeah, I know so. England. You know, I know. I like what Caden Smith brought to the table last year. I like uh, Levine told Tolo something, <laughs> yeah, Tolo, right. whatever it is. Okay, um, I like. I I think we're looking pretty decent at tight end position now. That'll drop if Evan gets hurt again. Right. You know, but right now, on paper, going into 2020, I like the position. All right, one more. I guess you don't. You're not even like a response. No, I told you. No, I I I said it first. Caden Smith, I'm very happy. No, I like it. We'll go one more. Easy peasy at easy A E S Q. While Eli is the greatest quarterback in NYG history, right, Jerry? His career stats are borderline for the Hall of Fame. I didn't say that. You said that. The five-year Hall of Fame waiting period is meant to help give voters perspective. If Jones is great or terrible in five years, does that change the perception of Eli's career? No. And wise ass, I've said Eli is a Hall of Famer, and I don't know if he'll get in in five years, but he will get in probably six or seven. But being that no one retired with him, it would not stun me if he got in first ballot. So there you go. It has nothing to do with what Daniel Jones does, right? Do you agree, yeah. Chris? Oh, I agree, yeah. No, it has nothing to do with Daniel Jones. All right. Anything else, pal? Did you really mean what you just said, Jerry? I totally did, 100%. Totally, no. totally, 100%. Okay. That sound is my dog. Because earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that Joe Judge's comments about racial tensions and everything was so heartfelt. And I'm trying to really get a feel on you with that Eli Manning comment. Not quite sure it was heartfelt. <laughs> it's funny. I'm like, wait, what? 
Totally heartfelt. What the hell? Can you? What are you doing over there? Are you following me? No. Yeah, my dog keeps coming in and out. I'm sure you guys hear her tapping. Listen, guy. Listen, before we go to the next podcast, we got to cut out the dogs. The doorbell's ringing. The phone's ringing. Uh, what's going on? Can you concentrate for like I'm trying to? It's distractions. You don't answer me. I'm talking. I gotta ask myself the same question. I'm, I'm, I gotta answer myself. I'm looking down at the next question you're talking to. You. Right, Jerry? I'm like, uh huh. Yes. Uh, all right. All right. Um, in all seriousness, uh, Giant fans, pray for Dalton Fox. Um, yeah. His father is a follower of ours. Dalton's kind of like. You know, we kind of adopted him as what, Chris? Like our our mascot yeah. almost, right? And well, he's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like, oh. He's like a little, uh, what, what can we say, Jerry? Like an adopted son. Here yeah, pretty giant, much. Giant man. And uh, he's going through another um, another round of uh, surgeries, and he's got Ewing sarcoma. And, um, you know, listen, the kid is a fighter. He, we always say he's toughest kid I've ever met. And I never, I mean, you know, I've never even met him. You know, he's all through, everything's through Twitter. But, my God, what this kid is going through. So pray for him, Giant fans, please. Um, yep. Yeah, they need it. So, please. yeah, yeah, very, very well said, Jerry. Please, man, please. This has got to be the toughest kid. This kid just spits cancer in the face, man. Yeah. Just incredible, man. The kid, bout after bout, and he just sits there, and like dares cancer to be uh, uh, just, smiling. I, I, it brings tears. I gotta be honest with you, dude. Yeah. It just uh, kid, kid smiling all the time. You know, he's going through all these heart, surgeries, and nothing, nothing, nothing can break him. The kid's got more balls than I'll ever have. Yep, 100% I'll right. I'll ever have, man. Yep. Um, so pray for the kid. And I know he just went to another surgery or something the other day. And Yeah. Well, we're thinking about you, Dalton. I got to yep. get down to Virginia to see you, man. Absolutely. So. Good stuff, buddy. Well said. All right, guys. Um, you know how to order the giant inside. I'm not going to go through it again. I'm not going to follow up with that. Um, everybody, want to go through it just in case somebody listens for the first time. I mean, what are we doing here? Well, you know, I just we just uh, okay uh, to order a subscription, it, please. <laughs> to order a subscription to the Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com. Go to magster.com for a digital subscription and uh, download the uh, Giant Insider app from the App Store. Anything else, pal? No, that's it, man. Everybody, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Man, this one was long, almost two hours. Enjoy, guys. Might have to take a couple car rides for this one. Enjoy, everyone. Sundays are giant days. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody.